Welcome in to episode 97 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing Carrots, our podcast network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Doing good, Jack. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, they, we finally have uh, – it feels like we, we we're finally past that – uh, that long waiting period of, of this news to finally break. We got CJ Frederick's commitment yesterday, and now here it is. Finally, we've talked about it for weeks now. Kentucky has two new additions to the to the coaching staff. In uh, Chin Coleman at Illinois is making his debut on the Kentucky bench, but Orlando Antigua has made his uh, much awaited return, joining John Calipari's staff. Sean, uh, obviously massive news on just from top to bottom for a program that's in such desperate need of of just some momentum some swagger to return it feels like you couldn't ask for a better pick than coach o so we'll uh we'll, we'll jump right into it sean what were your immediate reactions to uh d- just the the overall additions and kind of like the build up to this moment to where uh, you know we are right now finally you know, we've been sitting here waiting on it for a couple of weeks to, to actually become official. And now that it is official, from top to bottom, when you're talking the addition of these two to go along with what Kentucky has in Jay Lucas and Bruiser Flint's role, Kentucky has one of the best coaching staffs in all of college basketball. Again, a, a staff that looks entirely different than it did, let's say, a year ago when it was Kenny Payne, Joel Justice, and Tony Barbie. All three of those guys are gone. Uh, you bring back a fresh face in Orlando Antigua, a guy, Jack, that back when he was at Kentucky, it wasn't Kenny Payne that you feared when you walked into an EYBL event or somewhere on the Adidas circuit and yeah. Kentucky sitting there. It was Orlando Antigua was the assistant coach along with John Calipari that you looked at and was like, okay, Kentucky's if Kentucky wants to get this kid they're watching, they're probably going to get them. Those were the days that Orlando – was in Lexington, and I like the addition of Chin Coleman. I, I think both guys are great at not only the game of basketball, not only on the recruiting trail, but they're great at building relationships, and I think that's the biggest thing uh, that comes from this. Not only are those relationships in recruiting when it comes to uh, trying to pursue high school talent, transfers, and things like that in the spring, but I think the relationships that these two can build and kind of nurture when it comes to someone on staff like Kentucky missed this past year with a Kenny Payne. I think that's the biggest thing with getting both these guys because that's – you saw it. Illinois players reacting to Chen Coleman leaving. Uh, you know, Orlando Antigua, obviously a guy that players like. I think that's the biggest thing that comes from this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it – you know, we, we talked about this when the, when the rumors were first kind of spreading. And this is – Sean, we, we talked about this behind the scenes, I mean, three weeks ago. This is almost a month in the making. But we talked about how there was a, a kind of a sense within the Kentucky coaching staff, especially on John Calipari's side, that there, there, wasn't, there wasn't the trust that needs to be on, you know, within a, a, a coaching staff of, John, of Kentucky's nature, uh, the, the, stature, the, the, the blue blood program that is Kentucky basketball. There, there wasn't that trust aspect on John Calipari's side where he could rely on a guy like Joel Justice, a guy like Tony Barbie, even, you know, uh, Bruiser Flint and, and Jay Lucas, just in terms of individual coaching. I don't think there was that, that trust factor in letting them go out on the recruiting trail and just kind of 
uh, you know, evaluate your own talent, scout who you need to scout. I trust your judgment to offer scholarships to these guys uh, and kind of get them in position to, to, you know, kind of seal the deal on a commitment where John Calipari signs off on the scholarships and, and, and you know, kind of is the, is the closing man of all of this. I, I don't think that was necessarily there. I think when Kenny Payne left the first time around, or I guess when, when Orlando Antigua left the first time around, he still had Kenny Payne to lean on as his, as his you know, kind of trusty sidekick. He still had John Robick on staff, a guy that he has trusted his whole, his whole co- uh, coaching career. And when Kenny Payne left this past offseason, I genuinely got the sense that Cal kind of felt like he had to do it all on his own, that Cal kind of looked at this and said, you know, Joel, I, I, I love you. I, I trust you. I know you're one of the, the brightest up-and-coming minds in, in college basketball. But, you know, I don't know if, if, I can, if I can just kind of put all my eggs in one basket and just say, you do what you need to do. I'm going to focus on other things. I'm going to worry about this team right now. I'm going to go do this and do that. It felt like Cal had to kind of put it all on himself and at 61 years old, somebody that's, you know, I don't think has made it that big of a secret that he is closer to retirement than, uh, than a lot of people kind of anticipate. We've talked about this on the show that I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if we see the, the end of the Calipari era in the next five years or so when, you know, there are other coaches that stick around to 75, you know, 70, 75, uh, you know, even as late as 80 years old. I don't think that is a. I don't think that's a realistic option for for Cal. I think he's going to be a guy that retires here in the next, you know, four five years or so, and kind of he's he's looking down the road at a potential replacement uh, at, at Kentucky. And we've talked about Kenny Payne potentially being that guy, and there's obviously familiarity with with uh, Orlando Antigua, and we're not you know kind of speculating on that. But I just got the sense that this this past year was was extremely stressful on on his part where he had to look at this and go you know I, I I can't do this all on my own anymore the proof is in the pudding this season isn't what we kind of you know thought it was going to be recruiting's kind of taking a dip I'm not trusting my my guys to go out on the recruiting trail and, and kind of get the guys that are supposed to be here in, in this program it just felt like Cal needed a trusted confident trusted confidant on the staff again somebody that he can rely on and and you know and, and evaluate talent somebody that he knows is going to develop talent when they finally get here you know kind of take it a hands-off approach where he can kind of uh, you know readjust his own interest in in in, in what he you know, his efforts elsewhere where he doesn't have to kind of spread him out himself out too thin. He can focus on the, he can focus on coaching and closing his two, who his two biggest traits. He can rely on a guy like Orlando Antigua who has done this. He is, you know, he was part of Kentucky's biggest success under Calipari when they first arrived. A guy like Chin Coleman, who has gotten the best of the best, has developed the best of the best in, at Illinois. You know, adding those two guys, I think there's a lot of trust there with Jay Lucas. He was recommended by some of the best basketball minds, biggest coaching legends uh, in the sport over the years. I, I genuinely think that uh, that has never been an issue. I think Jay Lucas is, you know, one of the biggest risers in, in the coaching ranks. So I, I think there was trust there. And I think this move will allow Bruiser Flint to kind of slide back over to the Tony Barbie role. I know they technically announced Antigua as the – uh, associate head coach right now, but as we saw last offseason, uh, there was a little adjustment period after uh, Jay Lucas was init- initially brought in as a special assistant to the head coach and recruiting coordinator. He ended up 
moving over to one of the main three assistant coaching roles. Tony Barbie slid over to the associate role. And I think that we're going to see a similar shuffling of roles when, uh, you know, when kind of things get adjusted. But yeah, Sean, I, I genuinely think that this was a move that needed to happen. I, you know, I've talked about, you know, I think Joel Justice does a heck of a job. I think it's a perfect fit for him at Arizona State. And I think Tony Barbie, good for him. I'm, I'm proud of him for his you know, big, big promotion to, you know, he's, he's wanted to be back in the head coaching ranks for a long time. So it, it, it made sense for all sides for Cal to get back a trusted confidant, somebody that he can rely on and kind of not spread himself out too thin, but also allow Joel Justice to kind of, you know, spread his wings a little bit and, and have somebody that, you know, won't be watching over his shoulder with every move and Tony Barber to get back in the head coaching ring. So it, it just feels like the rare win, win, win across the board, uh, when you look at all, all of the kind of domino effects that have taken place at, at Kentucky, Sean. Yeah, it, it does. It's one of those things, too, that I actually think that now, not in and Chin, but I think that moves to the coaching staff have kind of been part of the plan since the addition of Bruiser Flint and Jay Lucas. We all knew that Tony Barbie was going to return to the head coaching ranks at some point. We knew Joel Justice, whether it was at Kentucky or somewhere else was going to get a promotion of some type. And that's what he's getting right now at Arizona state is Bobby Hurley's top assistant. Uh, so I think that when you went back to bruiser Flint last summer, everybody was like, you know, how's this going to work? Like what's bruiser's role going to be? Uh, what's Jay Lucas role going to be and stuff when it comes down to that, because obviously they had five coaches, but I think now you see it take shape and how all these things have played out. But I mean, obviously Orlando Antigua is the biggest news when it comes to to the two, I mean, that's the one that I think gets the fans the most excited, just given that what he did for the program, those five years that he was in Lexington, and then just his name alone. But don't sleep on the Chin Coleman hire. I think that is a sneaky good hire. At first, I was I didn't know a lot about, about Chin, but the more that I've researched, the more that I've read, you hear him, you listen to him speak, you listen to the way others talk about him. This is a guy that is one of the most inspired people that I think you could have on a basketball staff, Jack. I think he's going to fit in just perfectly fine in Lexington. The way that they develop players, uh, we're talking Orlando Antigua, known for you know the development of Kofi Coburn, and then Chin Coleman, the development of Biggs. That was missing this past season. When Kenny Payne, you know, the guy that's been known as the big man whisperer, leaves Lexington, you didn't have that guy there. I think these two are going to do very well in that role. And I, I just think that you're talking about Chin Coleman and the relationships that he's built. This is a guy, Jack, that has grinded his way to this opportunity. I mean, we're talking uh, high school basketball, middle school basketball level in Chicago. And then now you're looking up and you, you get Division One jobs at, I think, UIC, uh, Bradley, or was it Bradley he was at, if I yes. believe I'm correct, and then Illinois. So, and now he's at UK. And I think that you've got a guy that's going to work his tail off along with Antigua. They're going to recruit well. And uh, I think, I just think it's a, a home run hire. And now you've got a staff in place that I think when recruiting returns and this in person stuff gets back out there, and you look and you're going to see John Calipari, Orlando Antigua, a Jay Lucas that we haven't got to yes. see on the recruiting trail yet. And then you throw in Chin Coleman. I really like what Kentucky's done with the staff. What, what, what was the first thing Cal said about Chin Coleman in the press, the, the press release today? It was, 
A, he is a spitting image of Orlando Antigua, said that they are very comparable individuals. That's part of the reason why they work, work together so well on the Illinois staff. They kind of, you know, they, they just had that chemistry, that same grind. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you remember the stories of, of Orlando Antigua and his very difficult upbringing. His, you know, he, he reached homelessness, homelessness at age 17. At 15, he was shot. Like, he, had, he has this life story that's just kind of like, you know, your jaw drops when you read it. And you're like, wow, I mean, this guy has overcome everything. And that was part of the, uh, you know, kind of his pitch on the recruiting trail over, you know, you know, talking to guys that have had difficult upbringings. You remember the Eric Bledsoe recruitment and, you know, guys like that where, you know, they had such tough situations growing up where Orlando Antigua was, was able to look at these guys and be like, dude, I'm right there with you. I got you. Like, I, I, I know where you're coming from with this. And if there's anybody that you can rely on to put you in a position for success moving forward, I'm your guy. And that trust factor and that kind of accountability that, that you know, if, if he gives you a stern talking to in the locker room or if, you know, if he gives you hell for doing something, you can trust him because he was able to get out of, of a difficult situation. And if, if he was able to do that and that's his mindset, you just, you know, those are the type of guys you gravitate toward and you trust, you know, and, you know, when, when you're when he's hyping you up and saying, you know, giving you, uh, you know, credit for, for, you know, making a good play or the way you worked out in practice. I mean, you can look at that and go, ah, this guy is giving me positive reinforcement for things that I've done. If he's, if he's giving me that type of praise, obviously I need to listen to him and, and kind of keep using that as, as motivation and, and keep working toward that. It's just, there's that trust factor there. And when Cal was talking about the, that same thing with Chin Coleman saying he is, you know, he, he's, he's very reminiscent of, of Orlando Antigua in his early days coaching, that grittiness. I mean, this is a guy, like you said, started from middle school basketball, high school ranks, EYBL, you know, was, was the head coach of one of the, you know, a very prominent EYBL team, Mac Irvin Fire, homegrown Chicago talent that he just kind of, you know, was able to groom and coach. You know, he coached guys like Jaleel Okafor and Jabari Parker and, you know, the, the living legends in the city of Chicago. He kind of was one of the first people to kind of groom them and kind of let help them blossom into who they you know who who they ended up becoming Th that type of guy that has has just kind of just constantly grinded from every single stop and kind of moved his way up the totem pole those are the kind of guys you resonate well with those are the type of guys you connect well with on the recruiting trail they can kind of feel that same pain the, the what we talked about with, with coach O. that same you know the adversity learning how to keep overcoming just you know constantly moving forward taking steps forward and you know i, I Again, I'm a big fan of Joel Justice. I, I'll, I'll never say a negative thing about him. But there was, a, there was this kind of section of the fan base that looked at Joel and said, man, this was, a, this was a guy that he started out as an analytical guy on UK staff. And Cal kind of just gave, gave him a chance. And, and he went from, you know, his, his, he coached at the high school level. He had a couple very minor, you know, college coaching uh, ranks and, and then he when he came on a, 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 to Kentucky he was just a pure analytical statistic guy and kind of his first big break was at Kentucky and a lot of Kentucky fans kind of looked at him and thought like he didn't he didn't earn that position and I, I disagree with those people but there was a section of the fan base that had that mindset about Joel that he kind of didn't work his way to the top. He didn't have that grind. And you can't physically say that about Chin Coleman. You especially can't say that about 
about Coach O. We know his story. But but it's the same thing with, with, with Chin Coleman. That's a guy that has earned every single stop along the way and has just kind of slowly but surely worked his way up the totem pole all the way up to a number one seed, you know, NCAA tournament berth, top five team all throughout this past year, national player of the year. Uh, I mean, th- this is a guy that, I mean, he has literally gone from as low in the basketball ranks as you could get to arguably as high as you could possibly get at this point. So I think that's a guy you can root for. Like you said, he has that, that swagger. He has that chip on his shoulder. He's constantly wanting to improve himself. Those are the type of guys that make it in the coaching world. And it's very clear that he is on his way. He's already made it in the coaching world, but he is constantly moving himself up that totem pole. And like, I, I completely agree with you. That's not a coaching move to, to sleep on. I think it's a great move. Uh, and I, I, I agree. I'm excited. We're less than a month away from in-person recruiting, you know, beginning again with kids getting back on campus for official visits and unofficial visits. And uh, I'm sure we're going to hear news very soon of, you know, EYBL events starting back up, live periods, those sorts of things where, I mean, it, just, it's, it gets you giddy just thinking about the possibilities of, of seeing these coaches in their element again and kind of seeing just how good they can be, just how cohesive they can be as a, as a unit. I think like you said, I think this is a very special bunch that uh, John Calipari has assembled. Yeah, and, you know, obviously their biggest impact is going to be this this next class that they actually get to target and recruit. But I'm just – I'm wanting to know now, now that this staff is set, and I, I thought Kentucky kind of was just treading water when it came to all these offseason moves because it felt like that a lot of them couldn't happen until this was official. And now that the staff is in place, I think everything else will kind of fall into place as well. But I'm, I'm curious to know over the coming weeks or maybe even a month, is there a guy that goes into the portal or is there someone that has a connection to Orlando Antigua or Chin Coleman that maybe emerges as a possible transfer candidate for Kentucky? Uh, I think that remains to be seen, but I would pay a close attention to just seeing how this thing plays out in the coming weeks. Now that this staff is set in place, is there someone that goes into the portal that you can immediately attach a connection to? Uh, that might be how they make an impact early. Not saying that's going to happen, but that might be something to watch. Yeah, and I mean, we're we're talking about immediate impacts. <laughs> how about uh, what? Out, you know, two three hours after the official announcements of of both Coach O and Coach Chin, uh, there are five new crystal ball picks for Ty Ty Washington. You know, we on our very last podcast we said. Oh, goodness, what are we, you know, they added C.J. Frederick. You know, things are looking great on that front. It feels like this is, you know, they're kind of building this perfect roster, but they have no point guard. It is now May, and they have no point guard signed on. And now all signs are pointing to Kentucky adding Ty Ty Washington in the very near future. He committed, or he, he set a commitment date for May 15th. Originally, he set it for May 12th. He kind of juggled back and forth between those two, settled on May 15th. But, I, I mean, I'm getting the sense that, that it doesn't matter what day he's committing at this point. It feels like Calipari found his guy in Ty Ty Washington, Sean. Well, uh, here, here's the thing. When, when a crystal ball goes from literally nothing to just trending, there is something to it, especially when you're this close to a commitment date. So a commitment date come out yesterday, mm-hmm. and then – you follow that with a string of not just anyone making predictions. You're talking Travis Brenham and these names. You know, when they put something out there, 
Jackie, there is something to it. So Kentucky fans should probably sit here and have a smile on their face tonight because that, to me, tells me that John Calipari has got his guy, and now it just becomes a we play a waiting game till an official announcement from Tata Washington on the 15th. That's certainly the way it seems to be trending right now. And about him, we're going to get to see him this weekend. I think that's pretty cool that we're going to be down there covering him at the Iverson Classic in the Memphis area. But he is a John Calipari top point guard. That is the biggest thing I take away from this. Not saying he's going to be the next John Wall or the next Aaron Fox, but what he does, shoots the ball very well too, but he fits the mold of a guy that Kentucky fans are used to seeing in Lexington at the point guard spot. We're talking a guy that can make it the game easier for others. He can get his own, shoots the ball well, uh, really explosive. I think that if this thing gets done and it works out, He's the first step. And right now, you don't, to me, you don't want to go get someone else yet mm-hmm. because you want him to be the one that commits and signs. He's your headliner. Whoever else you get as point guard is coming to Kentucky to play with Tata Washington. Tata Washington's not coming to Kentucky to play with someone else. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And, and I, think that he, yeah. I think that he's priority number one in the backcourt. And then you find out Okay, here's what we've got. And then you can target another guard that can possibly – well, you need one that plays point, but you need to target someone else that can slide off and play off the ball too, which Tata Washington can do as well. Yeah, and you're just kind of adding to the uh, – you know, Chris Fisher put in a, a 10 out of 10 confidence uh, lock pick on 247 Sports. And there was another uh, guy at 247 Sports that added another – uh, 10 out of 10 lock confidence pick. So there is, there is something out there brewing that uh, should give fans just extreme confidence in the fact that UK is going to land him. And and I will add, uh, so it's kind of a little frustrating bit on my part. Uh, so we, we got credentialed to the Iverson classic. We are prepared you know, I'm going to be waking up. We're recording this at, at 10 15 on Thursday evening, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. tomorrow, and we're driving down to uh, we're driving down to Memphis, and we're going to be there for the uh, practice and scrimmage portion of the event. And uh, what, what's kind of frustrating is I'm sitting here working, you know, kind of doing some post, you know, Chin Coleman, Orlando Antigua news, you know, talking about you know some other stuff that's brewing, and I'm just kind of scrolling through Twitter a little bit, and I'm seeing other people, uh, oh. Bryce Hopkins looked incredible today at, at the Iverson Classic scrimmages. And, oh, uh, Damian Collins looked fantastic. Here's what you need to know about him. And I'm sitting there like, when the hell did this happen? Like, I'm supposed to be there right now. I got no notification or anything that indicated that I, you know, I don't know if I got left <laughs> off an email list or they said, screw you, Jack. You're not invited to this part. I don't know. Well, uh, screw but, <laughs> me too because I didn't get it either. So, so it was really frustrating. No, and you, and you at least get to go tomorrow. I won't be down there until like 5 o'clock. Well, I, so got, I, I don't get to, yeah. to watch the practice stuff. Well, yeah, I got my when, – when I caught wind of that happening, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I uh, am going to get my hands on this itinerary and figure out when and where all of this stuff is happening. And I was like, I'm getting in the car. I was like, if I was going to get that itinerary, I was like, I'm just going to get in the car right now and drive down to Memphis. Drive down to Memphis. I'm not going to risk not seeing these kids in person. And, you know, everybody talks about how – the the games themselves are just kind of pointless like the mcdonald's game you watch it it's not competitive basketball the jordan brain classic it's never competitive basketball they always say the practices and scrimmages leading up to the big event that's kind of what you keep your eye on those are the the big time 
you know, the big time events that, that people really watch and what the NBA scouts are watching and those sorts of things. So I was like, you know, and I've been there before. I was, I was at the Jordan classic the last several years. I was at the McDonald's game the last couple of years. I was like, I'm, I am not missing this opportunity. So I finally got confirmation that it was happening tomorrow during the day. So I am leaving very early tomorrow morning to get down there. Uh, but I will say in those conversations of kind of pinpointing when this stuff was happening and the kind of schedule events for everything, I kind of, you know, talked around and kind of poked around a little bit to see what everybody was hearing about Ty Ty Washington. And yes, it was a very general consensus. Yeah. He's come to Kentucky type deal. So I, uh, and I didn't want to follow in the footsteps of, you know, the guys like Chris, Chris Fisher, who obviously earned that scoop the you know, fantastic scoop that he had, you know, guys over at cats illustrated. I know Travis Graff and David Sisk both put out awesome stuff on them. So I didn't want to, you know, piggyback on their information, but I was just kind of, you know, feeling out the, the different people that are down there at the event with him that have talked to him and kind of, you know, hanging out with them. And there is a very strong, uh, very strong Kentucky presence down there that, that I don't think there's much, I don't think there's much suspense in this one, Sean. I think this is something that Kentucky no. be keeping. And I'm, I'm kind of sitting here thinking if it's a done deal, the way people are kind of talking about it being a done deal, why wait until next Saturday where it's just kind of a random personalized commitment date, you know, on, you know, putting out a little statement on Twitter. Why wouldn't you compete? Why wouldn't you commit on the, you know, at the only all American event of the year, that's kind of my thinking, wouldn't it be a pretty awesome spotlight to be, you know, kind of put on yourself. This is the only all American event of the year and all eyes are on me right now. Why wouldn't, you know, at halftime of the game or, uh, you know, during media day leading up to it kind of just, put it out there like, yeah, you know what? I'm not hiding it anymore. I'm going to Kentucky. Like, wouldn't that just be a, a badass and, to handle that situation? <laughs> it would like the Duran lamb at the, yes, uh, yes. I think it was the Jordan brand game in 2011, but I just, it's one of those things where we've been sitting here wondering what John Calipari is doing and things work so quietly with Kellen Grady. And then you had the quiet approach, kind of with C.J. Frederick. You know, it got quiet there for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, last Thursday night, I, I got word that things were pretty much done. Uh, took another week to announce. And then with Tata Washington, we knew that John Calipari was leading the charge. And I think that it's one of those things that John Calipari would not have offered Tata Washington if he didn't think he was going to get him. I think there's a confidence factor that comes from that. And, uh, here you start to see this roster taking shape. Uh, between now and the 15th, I'm wondering. I, I don't think we'll get any transfer news or anything like that. Obviously, I think it's going to be a while before we get the official word on Davion Mintz. Right now we know he's declared and testing the waters. What happens is a professional career or is it another year at Kentucky. We're going to have to wait on that. But I'm wondering if we don't get something about Keon Brooks between now and May 15th before Ty Ty Washington says, because that's a, that's a long layoff here uh, before something else. That's, that's more than a week. So I, I'm wondering if that is something that maybe plays into it. Does Keon decide to follow uh, Mint's path and say, hey, I'm just going to test the waters, and then if it doesn't work out, I'm coming back? Or do we get something official on him? So I'm wondering if that domino kind of falls next. And because the more I look at this roster, Jack, I really like what Keon Brooks could be with the pieces that they have. You're talking about a backcourt with, with Grady, with Frederick, with Dante Allen. If they get Washington, that's four dudes that can shoot the basketball, space the floor, 
that makes guys like Keon Brooks even better that can slide over and play that spot, that four spot, that natural four that he is. Uh, it makes Oscar Sheboy better because it creates that spacing offensively. Uh, I think there's a lot of value and a lot of appeal to Keon Brooks being on this Kentucky roster next year with these backcourt pieces that Kentucky has coming in. And credit to John Calipari. I know we, we give him a hard time when he does, when he gets stubborn and doesn't adjust. He went into this offseason knowing that shooting had to be prioritized, and he has certainly checked off that box. And if they get Tata Washington, they've got another guard coming in that can stroke it from three-point range. And you kind of see that John Calperi wasn't just sitting there saying that when the season ended, that he wants to go for more skill set instead of the just athletic, athleticism long and, uh, and length. I think that's the, the, one of the big things I take away right now. Now it becomes how does he shape out these final two to three pieces of this roster. Absolutely. And wh- on that note, we'll end it with, with these two little short uh, tidbits. While uh, I, I just got a, uh, somebody mentioned me on, on Twitter and, and kind of tagged somebody that apparently Matt Norlander on the CBS Sports College Basketball Podcast said today that he believes Davion Mintz will return to Kentucky for one more year. Uh, I have not heard anything of that sort, Sean. I don't know if you heard anything like that, but you know that I think that's something that would uh, would definitely benefit Kentucky. Well, uh, well, that I'm certainly open to that possibility. Yeah, and, and you know we didn't go in depth on that when it broke. You know we spent a lot of time on CJ Frederick. So, and, and my take on it is it, it felt like it felt like it was weird. You know, it, this was a decision of going to the to the NBA draft and submitting your name for feedback. It, it felt like something that Davion Mintz probably should have done a week or two after the SEC tournament. Yeah. It kind of felt like that, that he was the one that probably should have announced it before Jackson and before Boston did. Yeah. Uh, because when you, when you get to this point, it's like, you know, why, why was this the decision that was announced? So I, I could see it, honestly. I really could. Regardless of who Kentucky adds at point guard, if they if they if it is for sure with Tata Washington and they get someone else, I think that there's something there for Mintz. Obviously, I think the role would be different. He wouldn't be depended upon to be their best backcourt option like he turned out to be this past season. But I think there's some value there. Uh, you know, is is it one of those things like a Nate Sestina where you come back to Kentucky, you want to play? for this fan base, you want to play in front of 20,000 people at Rep Arena every night, you want to get to the NCAA tournament, take advantage of that extra year, and then it comes down to, you know, the way Nate did. It wasn't the NBA for Nate Sestina. We knew that that never was going to be where his end goal was. Obviously, that's where he wanted to be, but Nate Sestina put himself in a position by coming to Kentucky, Jack, and playing a full year, getting that showcase on a good Kentucky team, and he ended up going to win a championship this, this year recently as a professional and was one of the better players on that roster. Maybe yep. on Mintz, another year at Kentucky. He's, he's obviously already helped himself out, but could he help himself out even more if he comes back and Kentucky is actually in the spotlight more in a positive light, gets to the NCAA tournament, and does something. That was the thing that I took away from Cal's release on Davion the other day. He was talking about had they been able to get into that tournament, Davion Mintz would have been a guy that would have hit big shots for Kentucky uh, now it just comes down to, does he come back to Kentucky for another year? And if he does, you get Washington, Keon comes back, all this panic and stuff that we've had over the last week or so, I think Kentucky fans are obviously going to be a little cautious and getting their hopes up again, but I think that you can kind of see a path to this thing not being bad 
and Kentucky getting it figured out and, and being one of the better teams in college basketball again. But it's a long time before we sit here and decide whether or not that this roster has Final Four potential. Right now, it's just figure out what the hell it looks like. <laughs> Very true. And uh, all right, we'll, we'll end it with this little short note. And let me preface by saying, this is not something that I anticipate to happen. I'm, this is 100% a dream. This is kind of a, a uh, you know, ultimate dream scenario for Kentucky fans. I'm just thinking out loud here in the aftermath of today's big coaching news and the, and the updates that came with that. I'm just sitting here thinking Jaden Hardy, the guy, the uh, kind of the, the cream of the crop, the, you know, the, the, the golden goose that you look at of this class, the final top uncommitted guy in terms of like pure elite, best of the best prospects. Uh, he set a final decision date of, uh, of May 15th, the same date that uh, Ty Ty Washington is supposed to commit. And I'm sitting here thinking, Sean, what kind of way to just kind of reignite, just kind of reinvigorate this fan base, just, just kind of hit, just, if you're looking to shake the college basketball, just the basketball world in general, because he's a, a can't miss NBA prospect as well. So just the pure basketball world, what kind of, of shakeup would it be if John Calipari, Orlando Antigua, Jay Lucas, and Chin Coleman were able to put together a nine-day recruitment? So he's committing in nine days from right now. By the time a lot of you guys listen to this, it'll be eight days. Nine, eight to nine days where he just goes, you know, puts his foot on the gas and says, screw it, I am going all in on adding Jaden Hardy as my superstar talent on this roster I'm going to make him tell me no. I'm going to make him go to the G League if he's if 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 there's any small opportunity, any slight door opening uh, for for him to go to the college route. I I want Calipari to be able to confidently say, I knew if he was not going the pro route that he was going to Kentucky over these next eight days. I I just I just want a last ditch effort to add the best scoring and shooting. Pure, pure shooter and pure scorer in all of high school basketball, regardless of class. I think Cal needs to do whatever it takes to add him. Yeah, and how about this? You know, May fifteenth, the date for Hardy, and the date for Ty Ty Washington. Wouldn't it be something if they both just, if that was why it was moved from the twelfth to the fifteenth? Yeah. Uh, no, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a big dream when you when you talk about it. Do we expect it to happen? We don't. Right. I mean. We're not going. To, we're not going to expect that to happen. We've been thinking G League for a long time on Jaden Hardy. Yeah, and I just I was I was kind of doing this like kind of just just venting to myself. As soon as this news dropped, I was just kind of thinking, you know what, Calipari is dreaming big. Screw it, I'm going to dream big too. Let's just kind of. I wanted to write out an article that would just kind of like put my thoughts on paper. And just kind of, okay, here's Calipari's pitch. If you're going to do this, here's, here's Kentucky's pitch right now for Jaden Hardy. And I'm sitting here thinking, Jalen Green just took to Twitter literally this week and said that, if, that he knew for a fact if he went to college, it would have been a different conversation about who was going number one. He said, uh, it's good, though. I love the G League. It prepared me ahead of co a college move. Uh, I'm not going to stop working. But went out of his way to said, if I would have gone to college, I would have been the number one pick. And I'm sitting here thinking, 
I remember vividly that Jaden Hardy said that he was going to be leaning on Jalen Green very, very uh, – he was going to leaning, lean on him for advice and just kind of guidance during throughout his, his process and kind of feel him out about his thoughts on the G League and kind of how his year went, those sorts of things. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I was kind of cr- crunching the numbers a little bit, so the number so Jalen Green is seen as a, as the consensus number four overall pick behind Cade Cunningham at number one, either Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs at two and three. You kind of you can flip flop them, but he is kind of penciled in at that number four spot. Um, and I'm just kind of sitting here thinking, looking at the math of number one pick to number four. A guy like Jaden Hardy looks at this and says, I. I think I can be a number one pick. This is a relatively weak draft class. You know, if, if Chet Holmgren is kind of a bust or, you know, he, you know his, season, his freshman campaign isn't kind of what he's kind of hyped up to be, that number one pick is there for the taking. You know, I, I don't think Paolo, Paolo Bancaro is going to be a fantastic college player, but is he number one pick material? I, I don't know. I see him as like a P.J. Washington kind of, you know, mid-lottery type guy. The, I think the, the door is open there for Jaden Hardy to be that number one pick. And if you look at the difference between the number one pick this past year, Anthony Edwards, he was projected to make $44.27 million over the course of his four-year rookie deal, while the number four pick, Patrick Williams, is projected to make $32.10 million over the course of his four-year deal. So $32 million as the number four pick is obviously life-changing money, something that anybody and their mother would say, yeah, obviously I'm going to take this. This is awesome. But if you have the mindset – of a killer basketball player, somebody that has that killer mindset, uh, you know, in this, in this profession where it's like, yeah, I, I understand that that $32 million is a lot, but that's $12 million that I'm leaving on the table by taking the easy $600,000 that you get right away at the G league because of the lack of exposure that you get, you know, they, they play their games on Thursday afternoons at 1 PM on ESPN or the, your NBA TV. Whereas every single game that Kentucky plays is on, you know, you know, CBS sports classic and, and champions classic and the SEC tournament and every single, you know, UK plays UNC Greensboro on a Tuesday night at 9 PM. And it's on ESPN. Every single game that UK plays is, in prime time, uh, you know, on ESPN, on the SEC network, whatever, they are always, you know, they are. This is college basketball's biggest stage. This is, you know, kind of the the premier program in college basketball. One desperately looking for a superstar. One that's looking for somebody that can put points up on the board to kind of be the face of the uh, of the return to greatness. And it's like, man, what a hell of a pitch for Calipari. If you have, if you have eight days, you can look at. You can look at Jaden Hardy in the eye and be like, look, we need you. We typically don't offer, you know, pr- you know promise playing time and shots. And, you know, you're going to have this role and this and that. Cal never does that, but this is the exception. If you have this opportunity, you know, kind of the same Cade Cunningham approach, but there's not a, a, there's not a, a brother on staff that would, that would kind of hold him back. That, you know, kind of just that go all in, say you're our guy. You can be the face of this program in a time where we desperately need one. Sean, tell me, tell me if you were Jaden Hardy that you wouldn't look at that pitch and go, mm, yeah, I see it. I think that's something I want to do. I would definitely look at it. I mean, when you're talking about Kentucky basketball, where there's not many programs in college basketball, not, not many programs in general in college athletics that can promote you the way that Kentucky can. I mean, obviously, you go to Duke. Duke can do it. Uh, football, we're talking Alabama. But Jaden Hardy, 
is the type of guy here, Jack, that if Kentucky does make a final last-ditch effort at it, and we don't know, I mean, do they? We, we don't really know exactly what's going on. We've seen, you know, weirder things happen when we're talking about John Calipari and how quietly things work. But John Calipari and the staff could make a final pitch here and say, look, you're, you're the stud. You're the, you're the guy that we're looking for in the backcourt here uh, to, to kind of complete this, this puzzle. And then you add a true star to your roster. Uh, can Kentucky fans dream? For about ten or seven, eight, nine days here, yeah, they can. But I, I do think that there, obviously, there is some appeal to playing at a blue blood school over the G League. Uh, when you look at Jalen Green, obviously, I mean, it ended up working out. He's going to be a high pick. He got he got his money. But I still think that it's early to see how exactly that league promotes you and how a normal year. Like we don't know. Like this wasn't a normal year in college basketball. The Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Carolinas, the Kansases, those those schools, it wasn't sure they were all on TV, but they weren't that same level of promotion given the circumstances around it. I want to see what the G League looks like in a normal year and what Kentucky, Kansas and all those programs look like when there's not the COVID factor and how they promote. And then when it comes down to it, you know, which, which one is the better route? Some kids will still take the G league and then some kids will still go to the blue blood schools. And I think it remains to be seen, you know, which one truly is the better route, or is it just one of these things that it comes down to, Hey, this might be the better route for me. This might be the better route for them. But obviously Jaden Hardy, uh, if he has his mindset on the G league, then it's done. But certainly looking at Kentucky, uh, it's Kentucky, right? You're going to take a look at it at least. Yeah, if you're if you're Cal, you can't not look. You can't have this opportunity and say, you know, I didn't do my due diligence. I, you know, I think at the very least, you know, he has to kick the tires again and just kind of you know round back with him if he hasn't been in consistent contact. I I am under the assumption that they have been in regular contact since then, but. You know, I, I think there's I think there's a spot for him. I think it's an intriguing one. He's always like Kentucky. You, you mean you have to remember for the better part of 2019, leading into 2020, can uh, you know Kentucky was his dream school. That was the one place he always wanted to go to. He had a very tight relationship with with Calipari at the time. He had a great relationship with with Joel Justice. But you know, it, it kind of just felt like when the G League rumors kind of took off, UK's contact died died down. It would you know, if now that they have this you know, brand new staff and they've kind of just reinvigorated themselves and they're just kind of this momentum, do they look at this and just kind of just say, screw it, we're going to go all in for one last shot and, it, you know, we're going to make him turn us down? That might be the case. Uh, it's certainly something to not expect as a Kentucky fan. I would not anticipate that at all. This is definitely dream talking, uh, just kind of, you know, venting through the process and just kind of putting, uh, you know, thoughts into words. I just it's it's just one thing that is just it's been eating me alive since it became rather clear that uh, both coach O and coach Chin were coming it's like man if they're just looking for that one big splash to kind of say welcome back we're we are the gold standard of college basketball that's the way to do it is by just pulling off the late upset for Jaden Hardy and, and if you're Kentucky you make a call I think you make you make a call and fill up fill that situation out obviously if if it's committing to a school if schools are still on that list when it comes down to sitting down and making that final decision if you are one of those schools and you are fighting for the g league like they all know that they are you you make that call you don't sit there on your hands and not i mean if kentucky if kentucky's on that list of a caliber player like Jaden hardy 
and a clear need when it comes to the backcourt at Kentucky, when it, it comes to having that lead guard, even if they get Ty Ty Washington, uh, you, you at least make that opportunity and make that effort to, to just kind of fill it out with this new staff, in my opinion, yeah. whether he says no or not. Yeah. I, I, on the flip side, if he were to somehow commit to, to UCLA or anywhere else, if he goes the college route, I would turn that into a, a massive epic failure on Kentucky's side, on, on John Calipari's side, massive swing and miss in, in an inexcusable one. If he, it needs, his decision needs to be either Kentucky or G League. Very likely going to be G League. We should all expect it to be G League. But well, mm, that it, he, could, he can't go to UCLA. It, it just, it, he physically cannot go to UCLA unless there's bigger things than basketball at stake. Uh, you know, the, the Will Wade special, maybe, but I, I'm just, I'm just, that is one that I just don't think the Kentucky fan base would ever get over is, is being in such a phenomenal position with, with a guy like Jaden Hardy for so long, backing away, you know, the kind of the Jalen Suggs program where everybody just assumes he's going pro, everybody backs away from the table, Gonzaga's kind of just sit, sticking around with Suggs, like, I mean, if nobody else is going to take him, I guess we'll take him, like, we're going to still recruit this guy, and then he ends up playing college basketball better be the exact same it needs to be the g league as expected or kentucky with the with the full on, a full-on upset i don't even want to entertain the possibility of it being somewhere else so with that we will get the heck out of here we are going to go rapid fire this weekend I, you know we're going to do a, a breakdown of what we see in the scrimmage tomorrow and kind of the dunk contest shooting uh, you know three-point shootout and just kind of the general vibe of day one Obviously, we're going to do another follow-up episode on Saturday, kind of talking about the, you know, the media opportunity, what we hear, uh, you know, talking to the players, talking to you know, parents and, and people are just around the event in, in general. And then obviously the game itself, we're going to talk about it, you know, who, who, was the, you know, who were the biggest playmakers, who were the biggest standouts, what do, we, what do you need to know about the Kentucky signees, and, and obviously Ty Ty Washington now that he is kind of penciled in as a, as a potential future Wildcat. So, uh, obviously a lot of things coming. We're going to keep throwing these things out here and we're looking forward to it. Bunch of good stuff headed your direction. So Sean, uh, with that, we will end it there. Where can you work? Uh, before that biggest prediction of the weekend, you Ooh. know who we're going to be talking about when we come back home. Ooh, Are, do you have one or do you want me to put, put, come up? with? One? I, I, I have one. What is it? We're, we're going to be talking about Bryce Hopkins the whole way home. I think so too. I, I think it's very. I really do. Yeah. I think that it's it's sneaky because we haven't got to see him. A lot of people getting to see him for the first time, um, and we the scrimmages that we missed today and that that practice time, he was one of the names that stood out. And he gets forgotten about a lot when we talk about this roster. Like we just went, I just did a rundown of the roster a moment ago, and I didn't mention him or Jacob Toppin. Where do these guys fit in? Is Brasa is Brasa three or is Brasa four? We, we don't really know exactly what it's going to be, but it kind of seems like that he might be a guy that we're kind of sleeping on a little bit, and we'll see exactly what happens with it. But my prediction is that in addition to – well, I'll be talking about all, all three of them, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to leave Memphis and we're going to say Bryce Hopkins is a lot better than what we thought he was. I'm looking forward to that. I completely agree. And I'm hoping that we, uh, we are as excited about Damian Collins on our way home as well because – He's kind of that high potential, just kind of highlight reel in the making, that Isaiah Jackson type guy. I hope we can look at him and go, wow, yeah, he's raw here. You know, he's not – he's very rough around the edges here, but very clearly 
you know, the highest ceiling player in the class. I think Jonathan Gavoni said something very similar to that after seeing him in, in the scrimmages today. So definitely excited about that. Going to be an awesome weekend. We're excited to talk about it. Um, with that, let's get out of here. Where, where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back tomorrow for another Jam Pack Source of Say podcast. We will see you there. Thanks.